Hello everybody, welcome to Lessons from the Top, a podcast that aims to inspire and educate the next generation through inspiring stories from successful people in entrepreneurship, finance, and politics. Today we have with us Mark Cohen, an experienced sport and entertainment executive, entrepreneur, and former commissioner of the Canadian Football League. You're in a great reputation at the Major League Basketball Organization and the National Baseball Association. After leaving the CFL, he became the chairman of the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, and he is now the executive chairman of the Georgian Bass Spirit Company. Additionally, he serves on several uh, corporate boards. Sorry. Yeah. Welcome, Mr. Gohan, to Lessons from the Top. So we'll start on this podcast. I'll, I'll ask you a simple question. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. But first of all, you have to call me Mark. Don't call me Mr. Gohan. I'm really ages me. I feel old. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. I woke up this morning. I walked my dogs. My just saw my six-year-old daughter who just came home from school, and she told me she loved me. Hey, I told me she's in a good mood, which makes me happy. <laughs> um, and no, I, 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 I'm I'm doing well today. Today's a good day for me. Great. That's amazing. What about you guys? What about you guys? Oh, I'm doing amazing. You know, it's it's it's, it's always an honor, like getting to speak to people that have had all these different experiences in many aspects of life so it's it's amazing to be able to speak with you and extract like really valuable information um yeah it's it's, it's I'm doing well, let's, well let's 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 hope let's let's hope i can give you some value information let's see sure happy to interview right. of course and uh yeah it's you know just a great day uh, i'm not my uh, usual place i'm in miami right now uh usually in montreal but now i'm in a, in a vacation so uh but yeah it's a great day um it's sunny outside so uh, we're happy and uh, we're happy to have you. You have, you have to take off your turtleneck, though, if you're in Miami. Yeah, I do. It's, you're it's trying, hot, it's hot, you're but, trying to hide. You're trying to hide yeah, where it, you are. But in my house, it's pretty cold <laughs> right now. It's pretty cold. Like so. seven okay. sweat drops on the side of his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you do right now. What what jobs you currently have? What do you what, what projects are you currently working on at the moment? So it's really interesting. You know, I, I heard um, you explain my introduction. My life and my career has not been very linear. You know, a lot of people, young people might say, well, you got to take a certain path. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be, I want to be a basketball star. Um, mine has been very different. If you look at my career, I worked in Major League Baseball and then the NBA. And then I did some entrepreneurial things in between that in a thing, an area where I loved. I led an expedition in the Arctic. I became chairman of the Junos. I own a piece of a liquor company. So all the things that I do are not is not one path. So when I look at the things I do today at almost 57 years of age, I sort of have three buckets. One is I think about in terms of the things I'm doing in the community or helping build Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was chairman of the Junos for seven years uh, and got a real great sense of Canadian music industry. And I really loved that. This was after I left the CFL as commissioner. Uh, and I just stepped down from that and put in a new chair in place. So seven years is a long time to be a chair of an organization. Um, and I chair a thing called Toronto Global, which helps promote Toronto around the world to bring in foreign investment into the city. So if you remember that Amazon bid was trying to create a new headquarters. I helped oversee that and help promote Toronto around the world. And I'm also working on a real fun project with my father to try and build the largest Ronald McDonald House in the world. Ronald McDonald House helps kids who are ill um, be close to the hospital and the families can live there while their kids are being treated. So I'm working on that. That's one area. So community building and things like that. The other thing is entrepreneurial things. So you heard about the Georgian Bay Spirit Company. 
that is a, a spirits company, a liquor company. I'm one of the investors in that. Mm-hmm. We've sold over 70 million cans of Georgian Bay Gin Smash in Canada already in the last six or seven years. Uh, and I'm the chair of that. I have an investment in a company called Cookin in Toronto, which is helps. If you think of what Uber is to the private home driver, you know, the, the driver who can make money by driving their car for other people or renting out your apartment with Airbnb. Cooking is a new app that allows chefs or cooks, people, if you guys are great cooks, to cook from your home kitchen and make money and mm-hmm. sell your, and sell your, your, so I'm involved with that, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and I have another investment in this really interesting company in Sweden as well. Um, and then I'm involved on a couple boards. I sit on the board of the biggest casino operator in Canada. Uh, called Great Canadian Entertainment. We have 25 casinos across the country. So I'm doing a lot of different things, and that's what keeps my mind and my and my brain very interested. Yeah, you're you're interested in so many different aspects of like the entrepreneurship and pol- the, the politics of the world. It's it's amazing how you're able to balance all, like all these different positions and all these different types of investments through like what you're doing right now. It's it's really impress- It's it's inspiring, like to say the most, like. For people that are like for, like us that are looking to become you know entrepreneurs and looking to um, be members of like these boards and chair and yeah it's 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 amazing that you're able to like at 57 years old like you you've went from you know uh, CFL and now you're doing you went to music and now you're doing all these different things so it's crazy I I, I like to ask though like how was the transition from CFL to to Juno like I, like going from that industry to music? Well, um, I want to say two things. So one, the way my mind works. So when I was CFL commissioner, every day was different mm-hmm. because I had so many different things. When you're a commissioner, you're, you're responsible for the, the business of the league, the TV deals, the sponsorships, putting on the gray cup, but you're also responsible for the game. So, you know, reviewing film with your football guys, disciplining players, making sure the officials got the right calls. So my day was very different. You know, every day would be different. I've had multiple different things to do. So when you talk about what I'm doing today, it's very much like when I was commissioner. I had so many, my days are always different. I might be working on the gin business one day, one moment, then I'm working on stuff for Toronto Global or the Junos. So that's the way I, my brain likes to work you have to keep uh, with your multiple busy. things. Exactly. Now, you asked about the transition to the Junos. When they approached me about going on the board and becoming the chair, I was like, why me? You know, I'm a sports guy. I, you know, my brother was the musician. I was the athlete. Uh, why me? And it, one of the board members who was actually the president of TSN at the time uh, and oversaw RDS as well, if you're in, in, in Montreal, said, Mark, you put on, as the commissioner of the CFL, the, the biggest sporting event of the year every year in Canada, the Grey Cup. It's bigger than the Stanley Cup because often the Stanley Cup is not in, not in Canada, as we've seen <laughs> over the last few years. Uh, but the Grey Cup is the single biggest one-day event in the country every year. Well, the Junos is that for music. We toured around the country just like the Grey Cup tours around. Why don't how, why don't you begin interested in becoming the chair of, of the Junos? So when I met the team there and really started to look at the comparisons between the Grey Cup and the Junos, I was like, makes sense. And I could add some value with all the experience I had in putting on, you know, eight Grey Cups over the years as the commissioner. 
So, so you've definitely had really good experiences in these two different industries. What it, like okay? What advice would you give to young people that want to pursue careers in these non-traditional industries like uh, sports, music, that that type of stuff? Um, you know, I never thought I was gonna become you know an executive in in Major League Baseball or the NBA. Number one, you got to be passionate about what you do. You, know, you got to love what you do. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of different people. If you don't love what you do, don't do it. Um, so I love sports. So my one of my favorite sports growing up was playing Canadian football. So when they approached me about becoming the commissioner, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I worked for Major League Baseball. I worked for the NBA. I had experience in sports. But I would say, one, follow your passion. Two, if you really think you want to get into music or you want to get into sports when you at high school you know either play the sport or volunteer maybe you're not a player but you can volunteer to help uh, with the team in university you know there's a lot of people around sports that volunteer to help the logistics of the team or help do the social media for team or help on the regional broadcast or if it's a small university help you know do the filming and the production around uh, videos and uh, live streaming of games. So I think there's a lot of things you can do to start to see, does that make sense for you? Is something you're interested in and pursue those. And then it might take you down a path, a career path that would lead you to something in sports or music. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There's, there's a bunch of different avenues you can take to succeeding in a specific industry. There's not just like one direct path. There's a bunch of different avenues and different roles you can have. So yeah, that's uh that's really interesting. Thank you for that. And, in sport, you know, in sports, listen, you could love the the business side of it, which is the sponsorships, the TVs, the ticket sales, and you want to be the business guy, or you can be the general manager because you love Moneyball and you love the statistics and you love the game because you really want to, you know, see how you move players and select play. And you might want to go down the path of being a GM or, or um, you know, start off the water boy and then become the general manager. You guys watch Ted Lasso, kind of like that, you know. Yeah, completely. Um, so I think I, I think there's there's those opportunities as well. Completely, I agree. So um, I feel like you have been involved in you know many uh, locations around the world, including you know Siberia, Siberia, Sumatra, and stuff like this. And you know, what lesson can you know young people uh, acquire from this? You know, exploring and experiencing different cultures around the world, and you know, different environment. You know, it's. In those countries and other countries, it's really different from Canada or, you know, U.S. So, you know, what can, you know, what did you learn and what can other people learn from it? So I was very fortunate um, that my parents at a young age was able to take my brother and I on trips around the world and start to travel. Uh, they could afford it. So very lucky. But there's also a lot of other things that that students can do. Um, you know, I. I went on a program. This is not when I was a student. I started a charity uh, right after university called Youth Challenge International that led this expedition in Siberia and the Canadian High Arctic. But there's organizations, whether that's, you know, uh, Greenpeace or other organizations like Earthwatch out of Boston, that you can go and volunteer. So my passion has always been wildlife. I was a zookeeper in high school at the Toronto Zoo. I looked after everything from black bears to orangutans to polar bears. Amazing experience. So I always had this passion for, for animals. When I was a little bit older in my 30s, I 
was supposed to be married to this woman. I called off the wedding six weeks before. It was the wrong woman. I'm happily married now to uh, Suzanne of over 20 years. And I um, called off this wedding and I was like, you know what? I'm passionate about animals. I kind of miss that part of my life. And I volunteered with this organization. I said, Earthwatch out of Boston uh, to study wild orangutans in Sumatra. I had to, it was about $3,000 to get over there. I lived in a small little hut uh, in an area called Bukit Lawang uh, in Sumatra for a month and just volunteered with this scientist actually from the Ukraine who was reintroducing semi-wild orangutans back into the wild. These are orangutans that have been domesticated and you had to reintroduce them back into the wild. So my advice to people is, Look for those organizations that maybe you can volunteer with, pursue a dream. And by traveling, you get a different perspective on life. You get, a, you get out of your bubble of Toronto. You get out of your bubble of, of Montreal or your small community that you're in. And you expose yourself to different people. And as I look about businesses, I always put diverse teams together because I think you get the best input, you know. It's all about the team that you work with. And if you have people from around the world, I think it gives you a different perspective on things. And travel, uh, I encourage people, get out of the country, go travel, go experience the world. Uh, you can't experience people from a Zoom call. You got to be immersed in it. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I feel like in Canada and stuff, of course, it's nice and stuff. But, you know, just getting more experience and, you know, getting to know people, getting to know their experience, their history and stuff like this. I feel like it's just one thing to have in mind and just like know what they feel like and know what they do. You know, sometimes there's other countries that have like, you know, trouble, you know, working or getting food and stuff and just, you know, experiencing everything. Well, not everything because it's hard to do that, but experiencing a lot of things to just know, know that in Canada and stuff and U.S., you are most of the time really lucky. And, you know, just to, you know, you just get a lot of experiences out of the world, to be honest, like you said. And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I agree. Um, we are very fortunate to be here. There's a lot of people in this country who aren't as fortunate as us uh, as well. But um, I would say this, you know, people think, oh, Mark, you know, you've traveled to 60 or 70 countries around the world. Um, that must have been easy. Well, here's what I would say. There were many times when I was younger doing it. So when I backpacked through Europe when I was 19 years old, I was nervous as hell. I was, you know, out of my comfort zone. I couldn't speak the languages in many of these countries. So I think it's really important to be nervous, to, to feel uncomfortable. When I was in my 30s and went to Sumatra, um, I, I, I didn't know anyone. You know, I went by myself, went to this small little village. Um, I was the only Caucasian person there. It was fascinating and interesting, and I met some amazing people. I was uncomfortable and nervous and scared to go, but I went and I loved it. So um, if you have that little tension in your belly, or that nervousness, I think that's a good sign. It, it, it drives you to want to do something. Yeah, I feel like, you know, like you said, sometimes you just need that little push to go forward. And sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. to do it. But just to, when you're going to do it, you're going to be like, damn, I did it. And you're happy with I'm it. And sometimes it. if you don't do it, you're like, I wish I did it, but I didn't do it because I didn't have the, you know, the thing to go for it. And yeah, I feel like it's you right. know just amazing to go for these experiences. And I'm happy that you had to do this. And I feel like, traveling and just trying new stuff is really important at such a young age and uh, i feel like a lot of people should try this so yeah totally agree you know, get so we're gonna change a little bit of exactly 
So we're going to change a little bit of the subject. So uh, you were the chairman of the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. And um, how did you help, you know, transform the Juno Awards and promote Canadian music? How, like, you know, what was the step or like, you know, how did you do it? And was it hard? Probably. But was it, you know, what was the step to go, uh, you know, to make it uh, bigger? You no, know, as, I, as I mentioned, you know, uh, when I left the CFL as commissioner, the, one of the board members who was involved with the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences was the president of TSN. And he, he was one who reached out to me saying they're looking for a new chair. So it made sense. Uh, you know, we had a great CEO. So as the chair, you oversee the board, you help with strategy. Um, but we also had a great person, the CEO, the president and CEO, Alan Reed, who was running the organization. So for me and working with him, uh, it was the same sort of thing I did with the CFL, with the Junos. Embrace what this organization means to the country. You know, celebrate great, like the CFL, great Canadian athletes and great Canadian teams. With the Junos, celebrate amazing Canadian talent. And really lean into that. Like, let's not, sometimes as Canadians, we tend to be a little sheepish and shy and not be, not being boastful. I, I call, I say a thing called Canadian swagger. It's to be confident, but not cocky. Um, and with the Junos, we want to go out there and say, we have the greatest artists in the world right now. If you think about it, between Drake, The Weeknd, Justin Bieber, Shawn Mendes, Alessia Cara, I mean, some of these young artists are the biggest stars in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's embrace them. Let's celebrate them. Uh, and let's not be too shy about it. And I think we brought a little bit of that Canadian swagger back to the Junos. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I feel like it's amazing to have all these artists and stuff. And we're lucky to have them, like you said. And uh, it's really important to put it out there because I feel like each and every single culture of a country is really important to put it out there. And, you know, to make it see, you know, so the world can see it. And what advice, you know, for uh, the young people, uh, how can young people get involved in promoting and celebrating Canadian culture? You know, just like, you know, putting out there and stuff like this. First of all, I think every young Canadian should be an ambassador for their country. I mean, I've, when I was a kid growing up and I had a lot of American friends because we got to travel a lot. And my, and my family is originally from the United States. We're originally from Chicago. Um, but I have dual citizenship. I'm both U.S. and Canadian. There's so many people who aren't, don't really know much about Canada. So I think, you know, in dialogue with people, it's always good to educate them, you know, educate them, talk about like So with Toronto, I don't think people realize that Toronto is a city of over, you know, if you think of the region, over 6 million people, it's the fastest growing city in North America. It has creating the most tech jobs out of any uh, city in North America compared to San Francisco or Austin or Seattle or even New York City. So I think, you know, one of the things that young, pe young people can do is constantly be a promoter for Canada and talk about those things that you love. I mean, there's probably some things you hate here too, but talk about those things you love and just get engaged in the community. If there's things that you love. So at a young age, um, you know, I loved animals. So I, you know, I uh, was fortunate to get a job at the Toronto Zoo and become a zookeeper as a summer job. Um, and, you know, my dad's involvement in the Ron McDonald house or those sort of things was at a very young age, volunteer. I'm sure your schools, you know, push you to volunteer, but get engaged in the community outside of your school. I think that's really important to try and do that as well. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm having a little trouble out here, but um, my Wi-Fi is a little buggy. But, yeah, you're completely right. I feel like if you like something, you should totally go for it. And, you know, just the Canadian culture is sometimes a lot different from other countries. And, you know, if you like it, just go put it out there. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you on this uh, point. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to learn different cultures from different countries all around the world. But you should definitely be promoting and, like you said, be an ambassador for your own country and the cultures and the everything that's going on in your own country because that's it's very important. It's where you come from. It's it's something you should be proud of. Like when you're you're born, it's something you should learn. It's something uh, school teaches, but it's something you should uh, do research about even further. Like it should be something that's part of your like general knowledge. So I think yeah, I completely agree. And um, yeah, but in, yeah. in the follow follow up on George, uh, you know when I talk about. It's promoting Canada in the way that one of the things I love about this country is that the diversity of the country, where we have people from all around the world. When I think about a city of Toronto or or Montreal, you know how diverse these are, and it's different than the United States. It's not a melting pot. You know, these are cities where you're encouraged to uh, be both Nigerian and Canadian. You're encouraged to be both Venezuelan and Canadian. You're not, uh, and I think that's really one of the beauties of our country is that you can have both parts uh, come to the forefront and be be part of who you are as a per person. In the United States, I think that melting pot is that, you know, for example, when my wife's great-grandfather came over from Italy, they didn't want uh, my father-in-law learning to speak Italian. They wanted him to assimilate. And I think in Canada, you know, one of the great things is that we allow cultures to thrive here. Yeah, especially with things like Juno, like when you look at Juno, you think about Canada, you you don't think about each different ethnicity. So it welcomes everybody from around the world. Well, Mm. ethnicities from around Mm. the world to um, show Mm. their talent and show what they can do and provide to the music industry. Um, Well, yeah, well, we'll switch a little bit of subject. So you're the executive chairman and partner of Georgian based spirits company. Um, What inspired you to enter the spirits industry and what advice do you like? Would you give to young people that want to start their own spirits business or, or looking to, uh, get a job or like be an entrepreneur towards that type of business? Well, first of all, you got to start by being of legal drinking age. So <laughs> I don't think, I don't, I don't know if you guys are. So like, yeah, wait until you Soon. <laughs> no fake IDs guys. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I would say this. So I, you know, I talked about my life not being very linear. Like mm-hmm. I, have often seized moments, seized opportunities. So when I, I'm going to step back and not answer your question just yet. So when I went from Major League Baseball to work for the NBA and David Stern, who was the commissioner, I was at the moment, at the time, I was in charge of this all-star tour, Major League Baseball all-star tour to Japan. And I was 26 years old, 27 years old. And I just completed, I was at the airport in Tokyo called the Narita Airport. And I'm sitting in the business class lounge at the airport and in walks the commissioner of the NBA. And I was like, oh my God, like he was an icon, David Stern. So I walked up to him and this is about seizing the moment. I walked up to him and I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Mark Cohan from Major League Baseball. We sat down and talked. Um, We got along great. I went back to New York City, flew back, and about a month later, there was a big strike at Major League Baseball, and many of my bosses left, and I called David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, and he said, come work for me. So I seized that moment by getting to know him. 
Same sort of thing with Georgian Bay Spirico. I was up at a friend's farm and she hands me a drink. I don't have it right here, but it was Georgian Bay Gin Smash. It was this brand new craft cocktail in a can. Uh, and I tried it like, this is amazing. And she said, well, my brother-in-law started it. Uh, it's a brand new company and he's coming up for dinner tonight. So I met Denny, who was the co-founder of the company. We hit it off. I love creating Canadian brands, as you see with the CFL and with Junos. And I said, I can help you. So for me, it was a real opportunistic time where I said, this is a young, uh, growing company. Uh, there was only one and a half people working in the business at the time. I had all these experiences in creating brands and working on major brands. I had great contacts across Canada. And I said, do you need some help? And that's when I became the executive chairman and the partner because uh, I seized that opportunity. I thought I could have fun with it. Do you think it made it easier, the fact that you had already, already all these other experiences uh, to then start doing the spirits industry? A thousand percent. So one of the experiences I did. So number one, having all those experiences made it easier for the co-founders to say, oh, we want to work with Mark Cohen because mm -hmm. he has all this interesting experience. But number two, when I was in university uh, for a summer job, I went to school in, in Chicago to Northwestern University, but I'd always come home to Toronto and have a summer job. One summer, I was a beer rep for Labatt. There was a beer called Schooner Beer. Um, it's not around much more. I think it's only in Atlanta, Canada still. And I was a salesman for Labatt. So life kind of came full circle. I kind of knew how to sell. I knew a little bit about the industry. I was only in college when I did that. Um, and that's the time I put on the most weight in my life because I was drinking way too much beer. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, I would say life came full circle when that, when this opportunity came up with Georgian Bay and the, and the spirits company, I was like, okay, well, I used to be a beer salesman a long, long time ago. Um, and that's where I seize the opportunity. So my, you know, my message is you, you're not sure, you know, who knows where life is going to take you, but if you see those interesting opportunities and they intrigue you or your heart kind of flutters or your mind races and you're excited about it, make sure you seize those opportunities when they come for you. Yeah. And I feel like people that, do one thing and they're going to one thing that's good too but i feel like people are too scared to do all these different things when ultimately there's there's not much risk involved in trying to do all these different things and trying to be part of all these different industries so i think i agree with you it's about seizing every opportunity you have to uh well contribute to the world and provide and do these uh and working these industries. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. Listen, some, some people might want to go down a path. So, you know, some of the young listeners might be like, I always loved, I, I want to, I love animals. I want to be a vet and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and at one point I want to be a vet uh, as well. My parents, when I was 10 years old, we had a, a, a small farm and uh, the local vet took me out um, uh, to work with them in the mornings, uh, several days. And I, I helped deliver a, a calf uh, I decided I didn't want to be a, a vet when we had to castrate a horse. Um, but, uh, uh, but I would say, uh, I think there'll be people who want to go down a certain path. There'll be people like me who take different paths. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and right now you don't really think about this, but there's also risk as you get older. So risk from the standpoint, financially, can you afford to do it? Can I leave a job that I have and not have a lot of money in the bank, hopefully taking something new? So at different stages in your life, you got to evaluate it based upon where you are. Uh, but at a young age, if you have a supportive family or friends or that curiosity, 
you know, be curious. Like that's the most important thing I would say. Yeah, be curious. Don't be mm -hmm. scared to do all these different things. I think. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I you've served uh, on a lot of uh, you know, several uh, important corporate uh, boards, and I was wondering what lesson you know uh, can you give to young people that want to apply or go uh, you know go get on you know not important boards, but just to get involved in the community and uh, stuff and talk and you know what does it bring to someone like you? or someone my age to go on different boards and yeah, what does it just you know get in your life? What? So it, it, you're saying this. So I think you guys should go for it where there's opportunity. So I will, I will remember this when I was in high school and I was 17 at the time, it was the sesquicentennial of Toronto. So 150 year celebration of Toronto's birthday. And I applied to be on a board, a city board that was, working on all of the celebrations around the sesquicentennial. Uh, and it was a great experience being on that board. You know, young, they wanted the perspective of a younger person. Uh, and whether high schoolers, they had some, high, some university students. When I graduated from Northwestern University, I was 22 years of age. And I was asked to go on the university board at Northwestern. So this is the board of trustees. Think of who was on that board. This is in Chicago. So it was all of the big wigs of the Chicago business community, the president of United Airlines, the owner of the Chicago Bears, you know, all these, and me, this young 22-year-old punk going on the board. But what they wanted was the perspective of a young student who just graduated. They wanted that perspective. So I would say if there's opportunities, look at them, try and find them, and even at a young age, go on a board. You know, if there's a volunteer board or volunteer organizations, try and do it because it helps you so much later in life as you're thinking about something. Some people might never want to go on a board, uh, but I think these are experiences that you can get at a young age. Don't think, oh, I can't do it because I'm not 35 years old and had 10 years of business experience. You can get it at a young age and, and you just got to find, find those opportunities. Exactly. And you just got to seize them. I feel like, you know, you just like you said earlier, you just got to go for it. And, you know, you just sometimes you, you keep, you're scared and stuff, but you just got to go for it. Because if you didn't do it, you were going to be I wish to, I wish I did it. And sometimes it's just really Guys, important to do it. And it's going to get experience. I, I will tell you, uh, there are moments in my life, even now at 57, where I'm scared about new opportunities. Like, you know, when I became commissioner, I was nervous. Like I remember my first press conference, I was totally nervous, even though I had all this experience working in Major League Baseball in the NBA. I was scared by the opportunity. When I became chairman of the Junos, I was like, okay, I don't know anything about the music industry, but I was nervous. Am I going to do a good job uh, in this organization in a very public role? I'm working. I, I won't tell you all the secrets, but I'm working on a concept for a new podcast that I'm going to be the host of. Mm. Uh, uh, and I'm really nervous about it and I'm scared, but that's, that nervousness and that being scared is driving me, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, if I wasn't, I'd be like, oh, am I a little bored? Is this too easy? And even at, even at an older age, I'm thinking, okay, this is something I want to do and something that is going to challenge me, you know? Because um, I want, you know, my father is 85 years old. He's, his health is declining and I want to live another 30 years and be very active in those 30 years. So, uh, I would say definitely the the thought process that you get to a certain age and everything comes easy or you're, you know, you shouldn't be nervous. 
I get scared all the time and I think that's okay. That's okay. It's part of part. It's part of the experience. Yeah. You know, I, I completely agree. Um, I feel like even though you already have experience in, in a lot of different aspects of life, you shouldn't look at something and think that it's going to be easy because you've done something else. I feel like as soon as you start something and you get, you're going to get nervous and you're going to be worried and you're going to uh, doubt yourself. But I feel like that is sort of conflicting you to wanting to succeed in that so that you can be proud of yourself and you can prove to you and to everybody else that you are capable of um, truly changing, well, changing in the, changing the, like, what, sorry, changing uh, that industry and being able to actually provide something useful and valuable to the world. So, uh, yeah, 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 making a difference, you know, making a difference in whatever you might do. You know, I think is 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 important. And if you feel you can drive that, then then, you know, as I said, I don't want to be a broken record, but, you know, go for it. You should nothing should hold you back, you know, but you also like at a young age, you know, do your parents buy into it? what's your home life like? Uh, you know, all those things are are everyone has different. Some might be from a single family and they have to work a little bit harder. But, you know, for those listeners who want to try and be more entrepreneurial, want an interesting job. Mm -hmm. I think you got to, you know, take all those factors in and, 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 uh, as I said, you might be a little bit nervous, but I think that nervousness drives people. I think that's good. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so we're going to switch a little bit, uh, what we're talking about right now. You were, okay. So you're really instrumental in bringing the Canadian football league back to position of prominence. How can young people take on, take on that role as a leader and be, you know, enthusiastic, and be the one to initiate and create create positive change in their communities. You know, how can you get out of your bubble and be that person that will truly make change? Hmm. So when they approached me about the role of commissioner, I looked at it and I said, do I have the experience to do this and can I make a difference? And I looked at that and said, okay, I've worked for two professional leagues in the, in the past. The CFL was challenged. I can make a difference. And, you know, we were able to do that. We built new stadiums. We brought a team back to Ottawa. We tripled the revenues uh, uh, at the league office that got distributed to the teams, made some more money for the, for the teams and ultimately for the players. Um, but I think, you know, when I think about going into the CFL, because you asked about, you know, making a difference in how um, I went in there and I said, okay, what, what does the CFL mean to Canada and what, what, what's wrong with it and what can we fix? And it kind of goes back to that previous conversation. I didn't, I felt the CFL was always trying to compare itself to the NFL, you know, and that's the most powerful sporting league in the world, you know, that and probably premiership in, in the UK in terms of soccer. Um, and I said, this is our league. We should be proud of this. And that was the mantra. And I wanted to elevate people's thinking about, let's be proud about this league. It's been around for over 100 years. Let's really celebrate that. And those little words made a difference. It got politicians behind us. It got corporations behind us. It got fans rallying around us. So anything that you do, really think about what's the essence of it, whether it's a, a charity drive, to help homeless people, whatever it might be, or whether it's starting a new club in your community or starting a new football team uh, or 
or helping disadvantaged kids who don't have access to athletic facilities and can't play or things like that. Whatever you decide to do, really understand what you're offering to the community and what's important and then go for it. Then go with that. Like if your gut says, we, we live in our community and we don't have affordable, um, we don't have fields for kids to play in. Well, and we want to make a difference. Go talk to the mayor of your town and say, you got some empty land. Let's raise some money and get corporations behind it and build this because kids are, you know, they're disconnected because of COVID. There's drug-related issues. There, no one's socializing. And this would be really important. I'm just giving an example. I'm kind of yeah. free-flowing here. Uh, um, just riffing here. But I think one of the things you can really do is just sort of get to the heart of the issue and bring your passion to it. You've got to bring your passion to it. you got to show. When I went to the CFL, people knew I was passionate about it. And when you're passionate, you're authentic. And then I think you can rally people around what you're trying to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I, I hate the idea of people getting like being commissioners and getting on all these boards just to make money or just to make a name for themselves. You have to be passionate about what you're doing and what you're getting yourself into because that's how you're really able to see the value in that thing. And that's how you can provide value yourself and really be in a position where you know what would be good for that organization or that corporation or and how you can really provide value to the rest of the world. So, I th yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I was passionate about the CFL. They knew I played it in high school. I was recruited to play at McGill, and I didn't. I, I decided not to go to McGill. I went to school in the States, uh, and I was too small for the football. It was a Big Ten school down there, so it was too small for the players. Uh, um, but I would say the fans knew that I loved the game, and I was passionate about the game. And, you know, whatever you might do, as I said, love what you're doing, be passionate about it. And then that authentically comes true, and that allows you to rally people around whatever cause you might have. Yeah, completely. I, 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 don't, I don't like how people really want to make... Okay, obviously making money is amazing. You have to make money. But I feel like when you're in a position where you're able to do all these different things, don't do it just because you want to make money. Do it because you actually think you can change something and you can actually provide value. So, yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. Listen, if I stayed in the United States and decided to work for one of the bigger leagues, I probably could have made a lot more money. Uh, you know, obviously, I made a good living as the CFL commissioner. Um, but uh, if I wanted to stay and work in the States and be maybe not the number one guy at one of those leagues, but be the top five, I would have been made a lot more money. But I was more passionate about this opportunity, and that's why I pursued it. So money, as you said, is not everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said earlier, it depends what position and like where you are in life right now and you can evaluate what decisions decisions you'll make when starting all these different businesses and involving yourself in all these different industries and i think when you're in a really good position that's when you should really start you you shouldn't focus on money you should focus on what can i really do to make a name for myself and like be someone that actually uh made like really good change in these different industries instead of just okay, I'll do this so I can make money. No, I'll do this so I can help these people and I can change the world. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, I talked about some of the things I do in the community and the different buckets I do now. You can, you can have a great career uh, and potentially make money within that. You can have a big impact. And so I love when I think about the epitome, the height of my career, I would say, even though I do a lot of fun things today, 
the CFL commissioner was probably the height of my career because uh, it was, you know, a good paying job. That's not why I was focused on it. But, you know, from an economic standpoint, good paying job. But I knew that I was making a difference within Canada. And that's in my heart what drove me. And that's why I loved that role. Mm-hmm. It was time for me to go when I left, but it was the right thing uh, in that part of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, you, you have to be able to leave different industries, but not in like in a negative manner, but like you, you know what you should do and you know how, like, you, you know when, when your role is over and you can actually be there and, and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be done with this, but I really enjoyed what I did and I feel like I succeeded in that thing. So, yeah, um, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you a question. What do you think? Okay, so uh, out of all the industries you've worked with and all the companies you've been in and all the experience you've had, what is the best quality in someone that you've worked with that you think is super important and super valuable to creating a good relationship and really succeeding in a business with someone? Hmm. It, it could be anything. Like it, it could be a sense of humor. It so, could be, yeah, well, it could be I, I, was just, I, I was just about to say that. Um, so if I think of myself and my father and some people I've worked with, I love a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think humor breaks down barriers, breaks down cultural barriers as well. If you're working internationally, uh, I think humor is really important. Um, but I also say, and this takes time, is the ability to build trust. Like you have to, so if I think about the work that I did when I was commissioner or people I worked for like David Stern, they, both of our styles is we enabled, we allowed people to, run their business and we we trusted them to to run their part of their business and if they made a mistake you we'd let them know uh and we'd correct them or give them a hard time but i think building that sense of trust uh is really important and so humor is one and how do you build trust i think you're just open with people you're an open book you put everything on the table um and people will eventually gravitate to it. I think if you're building a team, people have to trust the others that they have your back. So I think those are some important qualities. No, you, you can't you can't build trust without being transparent with yourself and with everybody else that you're working yeah. with. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're transparent, that becomes, that is, becomes authentic. I think and it people shows then when you're transparent. To, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're honest and open and whether that's emotional or talk about, uh, difficult experiences or how you're feeling like the way we're having conversations today. I think that's all, uh, it's all really critical. Completely. So uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, Mark, I really, George and I really had a great time talking to you. Uh, we talked about many subjects that are really important for the youth. And again, I really appreciate what well, we really appreciate you for being uh, on this call podcast. And um, yeah, uh, I hope everybody watching, I uh, hope you enjoyed it and uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Goodbye, everyone. Awesome.